Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. How committed am I to the Lord Jesus Christ? Are there levels of commitment that you and I can have with the Lord? Those are the questions I want us to answer today in today's Wake Up Call. Good morning. This is your Wake Up Call. It's Wake Up Call 084. How committed am I? I made that question personal for me because it's also the way I want to phrase it for you to ask yourself. How committed are you to Christ? How committed am I to Christ? And are there levels of commitment? Maybe we think there's not, but scripturally, can we see different levels of commitment, different degrees of discipleship? And I believe there is. Uh, in fact, the inspiration for this wake-up call for this podcast episode on the Faith for My Generation podcast that I'm so thankful that you're watching and listening and subscribing to and sharing and doing all that to help us grow the, uh, and advance the Word of God in this generation. Uh, the inspiration for this wake-up call was a message that I heard uh, just recently via YouTube, uh, Pastor and Bishop Joshua Mills uh, at the First Love Center in Accra, Ghana. He's the son of um, Bishop Dag Hayward Mills, a minister that I've been following for several years. And I was scrolling through YouTube, getting ready to work out, and I always listen to some sort of teaching when I'm working out. I hardly ever listen to music anymore. I used to. I love music. I'm a musician. If you don't know this about me, I'm a musician. I play guitar. I sing, or at least pretend to do both of those. And as they say, fake it till you make it. <laughs> I've led worship in my church for many years now. I was in part of a band, Three Days Leave. We were a Christian rock pop uh, group. We still got our music out there available on Spotify and all that jazz, Three Days Leave. Check us out. We had a great time doing that. Uh, and then I went into full-time ministry. But even when I was doing music, I saw it as an opportunity to minister and be a, a helps ministry uh, to many events, worship, uh, leading worship at camps and youth groups and retreats and in churches and things like that. So anyway, uh, now when I go to work out, when I go for a walk or, or something like that, or just working in the office, if I have opportunity, I always am playing teaching, podcasts, listening to messages, uh, I want to grow. I want to learn. You know, most of the time it's uh, spiritual related. It, it, it's Bible teaching. It's preaching. It's messages. Every now and then I'll listen to something about investing or, pod, or, or exercise science or running business. or Yeah, I'm just, I, I like to listen and, and learn a lot of different things. So I'm scrolling through the YouTube app, seeing what I'm going to click on, uh, get it going, playing, trying not to stall too long so that I don't lose my... Uh, Mm, willpower to work out <laughs> as I do sometimes start piddling around here then and then like ah, I don't have time and then you know go back inside so anyway quickly tapped on this video uh, concerning levels of commitment and uh, this isn't a plagiarism of his message by any means but certainly inspired by his message and and then I went and took what he he spoke to me and I went and kind of looked and studied through some scripture here and and I think what we're going to look at today is very valuable to you and I to ask ourselves, are we hitting these levels of connection and commitment 
And are we continuing and purposing in our heart to grow in commitment to Jesus? The first level of commitment I want us to look at is what we're going to call come and see. Now, every single one of these levels is come and something. And level one is come and see. It's the invitation to commitment. If you go to John chapter 1, and that's where we'll begin today, John chapter 1, starting at verse 35, it says this, And again the next day John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated, Teacher, Master, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated as stone. So this first level of commitment, this first degree of discipleship, come and see. It's an invitation to come to the Lord and see what it's all about. You know, as a pastor at Gospel Tabernacle Church here in the upstate Lawrence, South Carolina, if you're listening and you're not a church member, which a lot of folks that are listening and are part of the faithful, you don't attend the church that I pastor. And I pray that you're planted and rooted in a good Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. If you're not, hey, come join us. The upstate of South Carolina is one of the fastest-growing areas in the United States of America. And you can come be a part of church, and I'll save a seat for you there at Gospel Tabernacle. I'd love to have you. Now, with that being said, as a pastor... We have people come through all the time, and they're at this level, this degree of come and see. Yeah, they're just kind of, you know, feeling things out. It's the old tiptoe into the water approach. You know, I have a firm belief and rule that when you go to swim and, you know, you're swimming in a pool, there's one way to get in a pool, and that's the diving board. That's right. I'm a, I'm, I'm a diving board kind of guy. I'm a... Now, I don't want to walk in foot by foot and endure the chill factor. You know, if it's a hot summer day and that water, even if it's 70 or 80 degrees, it's still colder than, you know, 100 degree heat. So it's going to feel kind of cool as you're getting into it. And I'd rather just plunge in. I'm a deep end diving board, just plunge in kind of person. But sometimes folks come and see what the Lord is doing. They just kind of are there checking things out. Now, these two disciples, they're following John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist had a ministry of preparing the way for Christ. And, and he said he was the voice in the wilderness, preparing a way for him that would come after him, who is so holy that John said, I'm not even worthy to unstrap his sandals. And two of the people that were following him which really all John's ministry was, was a preparation ministry, a preparing ministry, a repentance, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand ministry. Jesus then comes, and John says concerning Jesus, here he is, the Lamb of God. 
And we could look at the other Gospels and see what takes place at that water baptism of Christ and how the Spirit of the Lord comes down on him as a dove. But what we have here is when Jesus leaves that encounter with John, there's two disciples that break away from John to follow Jesus. Now, obviously, John wasn't upset. John was preparing a way for the Messiah. I mean, he, he even said, I must decrease and he, speaking of Jesus, must increase. Now, when Jesus sees these two men following him, he says, hey, well, what are you guys looking for? It's believed to be, well, one, we know it's Andrew. The other we believe to be John, John the Beloved. Uh, John the Revelator, John that is writing this book of John, the Gospel according to John. So it's believed that it's, and we know it's Andrew because Andrew leaves to go get his brother Peter. But we also believe the other one is John that was following John the Baptist. And so here they are. And Jesus says, hey, what are you guys looking at? What are you, why are you following me? What, what are you interested in? And they said, we, we just want to go see where you live. And he said, come and see. And that's an invitation to come. Hey, the Lord says, you want to check things out? Come check things out. And I was actually mentioning this. I see that all the time as a pastor. People just kind of, they come in church and they're just checking things out. And I think, honestly, oftentimes in the United States of America, about, I think last time I looked, 88% of those that listen to the Faith for My Generation podcast are in the U.S., meaning that they, we have 12%, from my perspective, 12% of the listeners are international listeners, and I'm so thankful for you, thankful for all the listeners. Uh, but there's some things that are cultural, right? Things, there's some things that we do say that are based on our surroundings. Um, and I think oftentimes in America and in the church in America, we often view it as like shopping around for houses or driving down the main road in your town and the age-old question is asked, hey, what do you want to eat? And then, of course, you always reply, ah, I don't care, right? And there's 17 different places to stop and get food. Well, what about chicken? What about burgers? What about seafood? What about fast food, sit-down food, steakhouse, taco, you know, Mexican food? Cuban food, all these different things, buffet, plate, uh, meat and three, all these different options. I think sometimes people take approach to church like that. Nah, they talk, you know, the sermon's a little too long here. Uh, these people are a little too hoovy groovy for me during worship. They're, they get, I'm, you know, they're kind of clapping and dancing. That kind of freaks me out. You know, uh, these people to, you know, I don't want to sing 200-year-old hymns. Or I'm not saying anything's wrong with any of those things. What I'm saying is oftentimes people will go to churches just to come and see and kind of check things out. And that's a very low-level, again, invitational-type commitment. Okay, you want to come see? Come see. We're glad for you to come and see. Come check things out. But you understand if all you do is just come and watch... It's a very low level of commitment. Christianity, following Jesus, is not a spectator sport. You can't follow Jesus on the sidelines. You can't follow Christ, you know, riding the bench. You got to get in the game. Now, that's why I want to want to go to this next point here, Matthew chapter 4, this next level. So after come and see, what, what could be the next level? Well, Matthew chapter 4, we see it. Jesus, again, is speaking to another set of believers. And in fact, I think Andrew is back in this one as well. 
uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me. So there's a time where Andrew follows Jesus to go see where he lives. Come and see. Invitational. Now the next time Jesus sees Andrew and his brother Peter, this time he gives them a different command. He actually elevates. He actually calls them to a deeper level of commitment from come and see to follow me. Come and follow Then he said to them, Follow me, for I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. So these disciples went from a level and commitment level of invitation, come and see, to imitation, follow me. You know, that's what follow means, right? Do what I do. Uh, you, you can take it to the literal point. Follow me. Uh, Ephesians 5.1 tells us that. Um, in fact, let me read it. Ephesians 5.1 Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. You continue to read verse 2 tells us to walk in love. Verse 8 tells us to walk in the light. And verse 15 tells us to walk in wisdom. So it's interesting. Verse 1 of Ephesians 5 says, imitate God. And then when you read that chapter, there's three different commands. Walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom. So you can apply that imagery here to Matthew 4. Jesus is saying, come and follow me. Well, literally, if you're following someone, they're leading the way and you walk behind them. Apply that structure of Ephesians 5, follow God by walking in love, the God kind of love, walking in light, the truth, the light of His truth, and walk in wisdom, His true godly wisdom that brings eternal life. So there's a deeper level of commitment there, going from invitation to imitation of a following Him. And that's where we want to be. We want to be in a place where we're imitating, following Christ, just as Ephesians 5 says, dear children do. You know, my, my daughter Naomi, um, she, she, I think it's so funny, but sometimes she'll get in just this funny mood and she will copycat me. I mean, she will just pretend to be me and or, you know, her mom just whatever she's doing and playing, and she'll just do what we're doing until we notice. And, of course, she is not shy at all. She's a, she puts on a production. She's a drama mama uh, most of the time in a good way, and I love it. But she will make sure she's imitating me or her mom and doing it right in our vision so we can see, like, hey, why are you copying me, right? That's what children do. Now, that's a playful example, but children do what they see their parents do or grandparents or whoever raises them, you and I, we are often very much a product of our surroundings. So that's something I need to be aware of, you need to be aware of, because sometimes we may pick up habits that aren't good and we have to forcibly change them when we're corrected by the Spirit of God and the Word of the Lord. But generally speaking, we're going to imitate who and what we're following. And that's a degree of commitment that we have been called into imitation. Follow me. Come and follow me. Now, in order to 
imitate the Lord, to follow him, you can't rely on your own strength, your own power. If it were able, if we were able to be like God, imitation, act like him, do what he requires of us on our own strength, in our own strength, well, there would have been no need for salvation because the, a large part of salvation is this, that you and I have been redeemed, cleansed, sanctified, so that we might be infilled with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can live holy unto the Lord, so that we can be a witness in the earth, so that we can bear the fruit of the Spirit, so that we can operate in the ministry and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, so that we can walk in unity with the body of Christ in the Spirit so that we can co-labor with the Lord on the earth to win people to Christ. John chapter 7, John chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus is at this great feast, and everyone's eating and dining and talking with one another, and then he stands up and he makes this loud statement and decree. He says this, verse 37, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst... Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his mouth will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Notice that. He's saying, come and drink. An infilling of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the only way I'm going to be able to follow Christ and imitate Him is if I have His power, if I have the Spirit that He had. Romans chapter 1, verse 4. Uh, four. Romans 1, verse 4. I love this passage here. It says this, concerning the Lord Jesus. Verse 4 says this, And declare to be the Son of God, concerning Christ, with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So the spirit of holiness, the Holy Spirit, raised Christ with power from the dead. You might think, okay, well, that's great, wonderful. So what? Well, notice this, Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But if the spirit of him, him's capitalized, referring to Christ. So if the spirit of him, the Lord, who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, He, the Holy Spirit, who raised Christ from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So, who dwells in you? The Holy Spirit. He infills you. He dwells in you. And it's the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And in Romans 1, it tells us that the Holy Spirit raised Christ from the dead with power. Well, that shows us in Acts chapter 1 what the, the disciples were waiting for in the book of Acts to begin with, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So we, we have been in field, and there's a baptizing of power. I absolutely firmly believe in that, in that subsequent baptizing power of the Holy Spirit. And it's not just a one-time event. You can look and see the disciples, the apostles, the believers in the book of Acts, they were baptized with the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit time and time again. It's no different than like, you know, going and taking a bath. 
Uh, I took one today, but by golly, I'm going to take one tomorrow as well. And pray that I do if, if I'm around you. <laughs> you know, it's like brushing your teeth. Sure, you brushed it this morning. Let's brush them again tonight. <laughs> the, I need the infilling and the baptizing power of the Holy Spirit, not just once, day in and day out, again and again. Refine me, Lord. Sanctify me. Cleanse me. Empower me. And that's the next level I want you to see. Come and see. Come and follow. Come and drink. Number four, come and rest. Matthew chapter 11, this particular verse probably will be familiar to you. It's often read and quoted and spoke of, but I want us to look at it a little bit deeper. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come and rest is the next degree of commitment, the next level of discipleship, the next degree of discipleship and level of commitment, come and rest. It's understanding that we, the source of our existence in our life and the, the foundation of our relationship with God is resting in Christ. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 tells us this, that we are to rest in the promise of God. We're to rest in the finished work of the cross of Christ Jesus. Uh, we labor knowing that we've been empowered to do all things through Christ who gives us strength, but it's not to earn or obtain, but rather we work out of a place of our position in Christ. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 tells us this, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering His rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So there's a promise of rest. There's a promise of resting in Christ Jesus, which is simply just living and walking by faith. And the Bible tells us that. What is it? Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by faith. And then it's quoted again in Hebrews, Romans, Galatians, three times in the New Testament. The just shall live by faith. Well, what is that? What is living by faith? It's resting in Christ. It's knowing that the source of my life and relationship is completely founded upon my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm resting in Him. I'm in a place and in a position of rest, knowing that I'm connected to Him. He is my source. I'm thinking of like an outlet, like a plug-in on a wall. Uh, if you want to run a vacuum cleaner, you're going to have to plug that thing into the outlet. If you want to run anything with that needs electricity, you have to plug it into an outlet. That electricity is in the outlet. It's always there. It's always, it's always there. But if you're not connected, if the prongs of that cord are not inserted into the outlet, there's no power. And it's no different than you and I. If we don't rest and yield and wait upon the Lord, as the book of Psalms tells us, Psalms 27, if we don't wait upon the Lord and rest in His presence and His truth and what He has done for us, then we're just going to be heavy laden and we're going to labor out of our own strength and fail. But when we rest in Him, when we take His yoke, and when we learn of Him how to be humble, He gives us rest for our souls. For His yoke is easy and His burden is light. And the next level that we go in commitment 
and the next degree of discipleship that we would enter into is a cross level. C-R-O-S-S, cross level. Matthew 16 says this. Matthew 16 verse 24 Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Verse 24 tells us we are to come and deny ourselves. That one's not necessarily, in our mind, naturally thinking, a fun one to do. But it is on this ladder of getting closer and deeper in commitment to the Lord. It's not invitational. It's not just come and see. Come check things out. It's not just come and follow me. You know, like a child does, learning and growing, following. It's not just come and drink, being in field. It's not just coming and rest, knowing source. Now it's come and deny. Because I can't, what are we denying? We're denying the natural desires in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We're denying those things. We're denying the pull and sway of this wicked world. First John chapter 5, verse 21. This world is under the sway of darkness. We're denying its pull like a gravitational pull. We're denying it. We're denying its access into our life. We're crucifying the flesh. Any desires that don't line up with Christ, we're crucifying those desires. Any tendencies, any actions, any words, any thoughts that aren't renewed and submitted and sanctified to the Word of God, you know, in line with God, we're getting rid of them. We're cutting them away. We're pruning them away, just like you prune a plant or shrubbery or a tree so that that which isn't producing, isn't growing, that has maybe a cancerous growth on it, it has fungus or something that will destroy the entire tree. You cut away the limbs. It cuts it. It severs it. But what remains now can grow stronger. You know, I've been, we're still in the summertime. And uh, of course, I've mentioned this several times before. We've got a backyard garden here at the house. I got all kind of different plants. And I noticed that specifically my tomato plants, though I'll have a plant that might have eight, nine, ten tomatoes on it. And they're all kind of almost going to be ripe, but they still need like another week or so to turn real bright red. Or I've got a lemon boy, which those are yellow tomatoes, turn bright yellow. And I noticed that the moment one gets ripe, when I pull it, I come out the next day, it's like two more have gotten ripe. Well, why is that? It's because the plant has eight tomatoes. But the moment I pull one, the energy it was sending to that eighth tomato can now be spread across the remaining seven. And then two more get ripe. And I pull those two. Now it had all that energy it was sending to eight down to seven. Now it only has five. Same amount of energy. It's still producing out. It's still pulling up water and turning it into, I guess, a sugar-type substance in the plant that feeds those tomatoes, makes them big and ripe and juicy. Instead of sending it to eight tomatoes, now it's sending it to five, and they get riper faster and faster and faster. It's the same process in John chapter 15. 
when Jesus tells us that he's the true vine and you and I are the branches, and he says, because I love you, I'm going to prune you. I'm going to cut away the deadness in you so that what remains can produce more fruit. It's no different here. Come and deny. I, I deny the flesh. Come and deny himself. Take up the cross and follow me. And in doing so, what you lose actually will give you life. We don't think about that sometimes. We think Satan would like us to think this at least, that if we take up our cross and follow Christ, we're going to lose it all. But what we actually lose is everything that's keeping us from fullness of life in Christ. And that's a very mature level of commitment. And I believe all of us are crossing that level in Jesus' name. And the last one I want you to see is this. Matthew chapter 14 uses a little bit of an imagery, illustration of Peter here. Matthew 14, verse 22 says this. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to, you, to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him, and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This last level of commitment, degree of discipleship, is come and act. A-C-T, act. Come and take action. You know, sometimes we beat up Peter. Oh, he walked out on the water, but then he sank because he was a doubter. He started to doubt. He did start to doubt, and he did certainly sink and get wet because he doubted, because he took his eyes off Jesus, and he began to look on the storm. He took his eyes off of Jesus, and he looked at the storm. He looked at the circumstances. He looked at what was going on around him, and that caused him to sink. But as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he walked on water. Now, lots of times we beat up Peter for sinking. Here's the thing. He actually did walk on water. <laughs> you can't beat the man up too much. Because last time I checked, I haven't. Maybe you have. If you have, please record a video. Put it up on your Instagram, Facebook story, or TikTok and tag me in it so that I can watch it. I'm not going to hold my breath and wait until you do it, though. <laughs> We, we, you know, we beat up Peter sometimes, but by golly, he walked on the water. <laughs> he, he le even if it was just like a handful of steps, way more than I've ever done. I, I can walk on water for one step. Yeah. I take one step, and I'm on the water, and the next step, when I, you know, one foot's over the water, and then I take the next step off of the side of the concrete of the swimming pool, and I fall into the water. <laughs> That's as far as I can go. But notice this. Peter said to Jesus, Look, if it's really you, Jesus, tell me to come out on the water. Now what's Jesus going to do, lie? No, it's not me. 
He's simple. Jesus said over and over again, be it according to your faith. According to your faith, be it done unto you. I mean, it's Peter's just saying, hey, if it's really you, Jesus, you tell me to come out on that water. So Jesus is like, okay, come on out. <laughs> no, it's not me, Peter. No, he just, he, Jesus just very simply, literally answered his question. Okay, come. He didn't even say, okay, just come. It's me. So Peter, full of faith in that moment, oh, it is. If he can do it, I can do it. And there is, that, that, that's, the, that's the place I want to get us to. Come and see, invitational level. What's going on? Come and follow, imitation. Act like Christ. Follow him just like a child does. Come and drink and filled with the Spirit of God, the same Spirit, the same power. Come and rest. We understand the source of that power, the source of our relationship. Come and deny. That's that cross level uh, of where we put the death, the flesh, and ourself so that we can have fully Christ alive in us. And then lastly, once we get to the, through those levels, we're at the place now, come and act. We're at the place now of go. Go do it. Go walk. Walk on the water. Go do what God's called you to do. What is he saying to you? Come out. And you think, wow, there's a lot of wind. There's a lot of waves. There's a storm all around me. A lot of things are crazy going on around me. But if I'll keep my eyes on Jesus and just do what he's called me to do, I think I can do it. I think I can walk. I think I can do Matthew 28. Go out and win people to Christ and make disciples. And that's where all of us desire to be. I know that's where you desire to be. Why else would you have taken the time you have today to listen to this podcast episode if it were not for that reason, to listen to this YouTube video, if it were not for the reason that you desire to increase your commitment level in Christ? And here's the thing. You know what? I think, uh, I think none of, I, I, I don't want you to think like, and I did use the analogy ladder a ladder of commitment, like you're climbing one rung to the next. And, and you do. But let's be honest, you can ebb and flow through all these, given the day, given what's going on, right? And, and me, you, any of us, we have to rehearse to ourselves and constantly renew our mind in different areas of our life. Uh, it just It's just a continual process until we enter into heaven. We're going to constantly be renewing our mind. I find myself doing it all the time that I realize, hey, well, wait a minute, AJ, why are you thinking that thought? Why are you saying those words? Why are you saying that silly phrase just because it's the world says it, people say it? Why are you thinking that way? Why do you have small thinking in your mind or around you? Uh, you're a child of the Most High. You know, and I have to begin to you know jerk the slack out of my thinking, out of my actions, out of my words. And it's just a continual thing we do because here's the thing. As Paul said in the book of Philippians, you know what? I forget those things behind and I press forward toward the mark, right? We forget that which is behind and we press toward the mark. We keep our eyes on the prize. We keep pushing forward. And that is a continual process. And we will do that until we inherit glory and enter into heaven. And so that's what I want you to answer today. Answer that question. Where's your commitment level? How committed are you to Christ? What degree of discipleship are you in? You know, it changes, it flows, right? But every single one of us, every single one of us want to be in a place of deep relationship and deep commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the absolute beautiful, wonderful truth about relationship with the Lord. You and I, I'm going to end on this note, you and I are as close to the Lord as you and I desire to be. 
You might think, oh, no, AJ, I want to be so much closer to the Lord than I am. Well, guess what? The only person that will determine the depth of your relationship with Jesus is you. Because we already know the depth of relationship the Lord desires because He gave Himself for you on the cross of Calvary. He's given you His life through the power of His resurrection. You and I, it's, it's up to you and I how much we receive what He's made available to us in relationship. James chapter 4, verse 7. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And it continues to talk about the cure for worldliness uh, in these next few verses. But in verse 8, that first phrase, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. I mean, that's, that's his... That is a law as much as gravity is a law. As much as I can take this pen and drop it and it will hit the ground, so is the law of draw close to the Lord and He'll draw close unto you. Notice, notice, draw near unto God and He will draw near unto you. Because Christ, He's already made the first step. He's already provided salvation. The ball's in my court. The ball's in your court. And every time we take a step forward, He takes a step forward to us. And every time we draw a little bit closer to Him, He draws a little bit closer to us. And so may we draw as close as we possibly can and continue to draw closer and closer, closer to the Lord. I know that's your desire. It certainly is mine. And I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that you're part of the faithful. And I want to pray. Let us pray a prayer of consecration for you and me. Lord, I come before you and I thank you for every single person that's watching and listening. Lord, it is our whole desire of our spirit, soul, and body to come unto you with all that we are, to draw close unto you. And we thank you as we do, Lord, you're drawing close to us, Lord. May we only increase the level of commitment that we have for you and your kingdom and your work. For we desire to be real close to you, Lord, as close as we can be. We desire to be purified and cleansed and always maintain a right relationship with you, Lord. That's our truest desire. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, say amen. Hey, I'm thankful for you. I pray that you have a great rest of your week. Make sure you check out the Thursday podcast as we continue teaching on pride and how it brings destruction and how to avoid it at all costs. And I'm thankful for you. And remember, draw close to the Lord, and I know you will because we are the faithful. God bless. I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.